Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And today we are going to be celebrating International Women's Day. Now, I don't want to come off like Pierce Morgan. There's a, there's a reference you British people know, Pierce Morgan. You know, he's always so snarky. Hey, I thought every day was Women's Day. And he's always sort of putting down that type of thing. Now, when we talk about it, I think we're, we're a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit kind of like, oh, you want Women's Day? Let us tell you about some of our favorite women. And it's not might not be the, uh, you know, type of um, ball busting sort of anti Western feminists that you were hoping for. But beyond that, I think we're sincere. We're like, yeah, you know what? Women do exist. They do have distinct um, qualities that should be celebrated. And uh, when a woman is strong, when a woman is uh, following her conviction, that is feminine. That is the uh, a woman's version of being independent and rational and all of those things. So why not celebrate Women's Day and why not point out some of our favorite women? And uh, what, we're, what we are going to do today is discuss um, fictional women. How about that? Fictional women as depicted by Ayn Rand in her novels. So we've each got a favorite heroine and we have not yet discussed if we have the same one. So let's find out. God forbid, though, we get right to the topic. Let me just tell you a quick side tangent. Uh, I think there was an episode of Leonard Peikoff's podcast where he was asked, um, were you and Ayn Rand on first name basis? Like, were, were, did you used to call Miss Rand by her first name? And as I recall, Leonard's answer was to tell the story of how he began calling Ayn Rand by her first name. They were on a road trip together and having a discussion, a, a group of them in the car. And they were discussing Atlas Shrugged. This was after the book had been published. And Leonard Peikoff asked Ayn Rand if Dagny was the heroine. But he couldn't pronounce the word correctly at that time. So he accidentally said, is Dagny the heroine? That's how he pronounced it, heroine. And Ayn Rand thought he was asking, is Dagny the hero? And then saying her, her name, Ayn. And she responded, certainly not. I don't mean to mock her accent. That's just kind of my default. Um, certainly not. And she began to expand. And from that point forward, Leonard Peikoff was comfortable calling Ayn Rand by her first name. And uh, we also could sort of uh, get from that story that technically someone like Dagny Taggart is not the hero of the book. However, I am comfortable acting as though really any positively depicted woman in any of Ayn Rand's novels is, uh, can be referred to as a heroine. I'm fine with that, but uh, let's discuss, let's bring on a guy who, um, you know, he's depicted a hero and he's also, uh, I, I, my understanding is depicted a bad guy, right? Uh, Lucifer doesn't have the best reputation, but honestly, if the devil did exist, I think he would be a good guy because uh, God sort of, God likes a rigged game to quote Jack Nicholson. Please welcome Mark Pellegrino. Thank you. Thank you, Rucka. Uh, yeah, she might not have been the hero of Atlas Shrugged, but she's certainly a hero of Atlas Shrugged. And is that, um, is, is that your, not, not to jump straight to, in, into it, but uh, is that your heroine? I was actually not sure, and I was going to wait to see who you had, and then I was going <laughs> to probably uh, name somebody different. So there you go. What do you I think? bet I bet you you don't have mine. I bet you you don't have mine. So go ahead. Okay, let me can I guess real quick? Is it uh, Cheryl from uh, Atlas Shrugged? No, but that's really sweet. I think it's Kira. Am I right? 
Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Now, now, why did you why did you say that? Because you've heard me say that um, "We the Living" is my favorite book. I don't know if I heard that, but it's just like it's like the non obvious answer, but it's still a rich answer. It, there's a lot to discuss there. It just you know, it feels like Dagny would be the obvious one, and then like Dominique is. We're scared to kind of go near it, or maybe you're not, but I I, I don't want to even explain what's good, like what like it's such a such a complex character, um, and not clearly a heroine right um yes i however, hate i hate dominique wow okay those are fighting words around here maybe we'll okay. get into that as well uh, sure but let's uh can you tell us a little bit about kira arganova well i mean uh the whole book is is my i haven't read it in about 25 30 years but the whole book is my favorite because it reads like a real narrative as opposed to um um anything didactic, anything preachy about philosophy. You're living through the story of these people who have their lives stolen from them and then are trying to at first live and then break away from this, from communist living. And, um, and so she strikes me as, as somebody I can, who's very accessible to me. She doesn't speak like a philosopher. She doesn't act, you know, I mean, like, like a philosopher, she doesn't act like an, uh, like a Dagny who could fly a plane and she can solve the problems of the railroad. And she could, she talks like a philosopher. Everybody, talks, everybody is so um, pitched to a degree that it's sort of beyond my, you know, it's not tan, it's not, it's not really tangible to me, but Kira is a, a real person who's living in a world and, and is trying to master her own fate despite the stuff that's going on around her. Yeah, and uh, Kira in We the Living uh, is dedicated from a young age to her passion, which is engineering. And even in, you know, 1920 or 1910 or whenever that book begins to take place, she wants to be an engineer. So at the time that Ayn Rand published that book, I think it was controversial to depict a heroine that wants to be an engineer, let alone um, to, to, to base it on Russia you know, 20 years earlier or, or sometime earlier. So Ayn Rand and her characters were definitely trailblazers, not for feminism, maybe, because that word has such uh, so many connotations the, uh, at this point, but sort of in the most like uh, basic kind of fundamental essence of what I think feminism was meant to be or how it was pitched originally. It's just that women who, want, who wish to be independent ought to not be hindered. So, um, so what I like about Kira from We the Living, and if you were going to name, let's say Dagny, I probably would have uh, pitched or get, or named Kira as mine, just so we have uh, variety. That dedication from a young age to a certain passion and not taking no for an answer, not list, not caring what anybody says, <clears throat> um, and uh, per, uh, can we spoil? Let's spoil, I guess, um, or being willing to risk. Uh, a very, a very dark fate, let's say that doesn't quite spoil anything that much, but um, it doesn't, you can't, you know, honestly, you can't spoil, you can't really spoil an Ayn Rand novel either way. I hear people talk about, oh, don't spoil Atlas Shrugged. You cannot spoil Atlas Shrugged. I knew what Atlas Shrugged was about before I read it and nothing was spoiled. But anyway, Kira is willing to risk it all. She'd, uh, well, she'd rather risk death. Then you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't spoil an Ayn Rand novel because they mostly end heroically, right? I mean, you, you know that values are going to win, reason's going to win, uh, but that was not necessarily the case in We the Living. So, um, so you can spoil it actually, because it's it's definitely a turn away from uh, 
where she ended up going with all of her fiction. But you hear people saying like, oh, don't spoil Atlas Shrugged by saying that it's about the minds of the world going on strike or something on that. Like right. that. But yeah. like that's on the it's probably on the uh, jacket of the book. Right. And it's like <laughs> right. on the back of the book. And I knew that was the, the point, the theme of the book before I read it. I, when I picked up We the Living, someone saw me reading it and said, oh, that's a sad book. They said <laughs> so yeah. in a sense, I knew there was a, a sad ending. So um but yeah, uh, the fact that Kira would rather risk death than not than live without pursuing her central purpose, I think uh, shows a young Ayn Rand with the basics down of who she is and what her philosophy is about. What blows my mind is that We the Living, I think, was published when Rand was probably younger than I am now. I think she was like early 30s, right? Mm-hmm. 30 or so. Maybe she was writing it in her late 20s or something. And she, at that point, had written lots of short stories and made plenty of stuff. So um, that's a bit mind blowing, isn't it? Um, and but also when you kind of realize what objectivism would become, the fact it would have an epistemology that answers Plato once and for all, that it would have an ethics that solves all of these dichotomies of the ages. It, it is kind of mind blowing to, to or very interesting to just see in We the Living, the very sort of early version, really, of of objectivism in a, in a way, just kind of like Ayn Rand's perspective of the world when I think Kira says in the book that to live is to value, to live is to value. That's such a, a rich identification and kind of the rest of the philosophy can almost be sort of um, uh, inferred in a sense from that statement, though very few people could actually go do that. And luckily Ayn Rand lived long enough too do so. Very glad Ayn Rand did escape from Russia. Imagine, imagine Ayn Rand uh, was unable to do that. Imagine uh, our lives and imagine really the world. It's hard to even imagine how much positive influence Ayn Rand has had. Um, But yeah, Kira Arginova is your choice. Um, I'm going to go with Dagny. I'm going to say, look, I'm not a literary expert. I'm not like, uh, this is not, this is not my calling in life so much, but I'll say sort of as a layman, Dagny to me seems kind of like a mature version of Kira in a sense, um, older and more seasoned in her craft, in her industry and playing more of an executive role in a company full of people. But like Kira, she had a passion from a young age and would rather, um, like maybe have fewer friends, then compromise her passion, compromise her value. So she's dedicated to her work from a very young age and she spends her days and nights getting good at her work and doing it and, um, and having an appreciation for beauty in the world. She, uh, her mother throws a ball, throws a, uh, like a sort of banquet event and Dagny likes the idea of it, though she's she is disappointed in how it goes and some of the people she meets there. But but though but it is notable that she liked the idea of the banquet and was uh, looking forward to it and participated in the banquet. So uh, she got a uh, she's a sort of a I guess a brain you 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 might dub her like a very very active minded deep thinker, but not like um, not this sort of detached sort of nerdy character that that is detached from reality. She deals with reality. She deals with moving trains and she has an appreciation for beauty and sex and all of the great things that life has to offer. So Dagny's pretty good, right? Dagny rocks. She does. Yeah. 
Uh, any other thoughts on Dagny or should we argue <laughs> about Dominique or what? <laughs> yeah, let's argue about Dominique. Because I think I think anybody can like Dagny. Oh, but, all right. But but uh, you really have to be you really have to be on your game or something to like Dominique, because I think she's a horrible person. Wow. Okay, look, I, I mean I, I particularly did not pick Dominique, well, partially because I, you know, she's technically not a hero either and probably would not qualify on any grounds as a, as the heroine of, a, of the novel, but even beyond that, um, if she, she's so complex, like to go with Dominique or Gail <laughs> Winan, like these are complex characters, Dominique, even more than Gail on some level, I relate to Gail, you know, we're, we're both male, um, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. Right. I, Dominique to me is keeps saying Dominique and then switching to Dominique, but she's, um, she's, uh, she's on some next level, complexity and i think ayn rand has described dominique as herself in a bad mood um so that's that's it's very interesting that she's able to depict that character based on how she feels at times and how she sort of views the world when she's in a bad mood so dominique um through most of the novel certainly at the start of the novel has what you would call malevolent universe premise she sees the world as fundamentally unhospitable not hospitable for heroes and and along with that heroes are nowhere to be found so dominique throws beautiful art down the shaft down to be to its destruction because it like the world doesn't deserve it that's very early book dominique yeah that's 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 uh, sort of textbook narcissism too you know, to say to say that she doesn't think good can flourish in the world, and yet to see beauty, to see it actually there, to see it appreciated on enough on enough of a level to exist, and then to destroy it because other people, other people than you, that is, are not worthy of looking at it. Ugh, it's cringy. It's just so cringy. And and then she sees the living embodiment of virtue in Howard Rourke and tries to destroy him and punishes herself by marrying these twats it's like it's just a she's just a strange narcissistic masturbate intellectual masturbator she she really makes me cringe are you generally a fan of the fountainhead i'm a fan of rourke i'm a fan of the ideas in the fountainhead for sure i'm a fan of the way he stands up to the world i'm a fan of the way he the, uh, the way he promotes his vision uh and 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 I'm I'm also a fan of Cameron too. I, I I saw what destroyed him, and I see that in really some great actors. I see I see that it's easy to get caught up in in the world in, in a way that can be very destructive. And I feel great empathy for for Cameron never having the the uh, spiritual stature that Rourke had. But I can't stand Dominique. I just can't stand her. Yeah. Um, so when I the first time I read The Fountainhead, I was upset by Dominique's choices, like when she and Rourke first uh, got together at one point early, like early in the book or midway through it. I'm like thinking like, oh, like, where does the plot even go from here? This really cool, self-confident and righteous character found himself a bombshell and she's been sort of holding out thus far. And but now she found a guy that rocks her world and great. Like that's, that's that, but no, she, uh, she ends up. Yeah. Like you said, she marries Keating. She marries Gail Winand. And I mean, that's the worst. She marries Keating. She's not even 
fooled. It's not like she's fooled by him. She's not like a Cheryl in 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 uh, Atlas Shrugged. She knows what she's getting into. Right, but um, but when you consider the end of the novel, when Dominique realizes, she kind of realizes she learns that lesson that you might say is like Ayn Rand coming out of her bad mood and kind of realizing the bad does is not is unimportant. What matters is the good. Kind of what matters are the values that I have. And then she runs towards Rourke. Like once she gets it, she gets it. So in order to bring about that ending, you sort of have to take her on that very uh, ugly detour, literarily. I agree know? with you. And there are some characters who have tremendous arcs like that, and I could follow them from the beginning. Uh, maybe there's a save the cat moment uh, in, in all of those other stories that makes me really empathize with the person. I don't empathize with her at all. I can empathize with the camera and I can empathize with Rourke. And Rourke really doesn't have an arc. Rourke is the same character from the beginning to the end. He's, he's an enlightened being. Um, but I see him as the only one who really loves. He's, you know, I, I can get on his page 100%. Um, I can't get on hers. I, and I, I know she has the arc. I know she has the realization. I know she comes around to seeing reality um, the way it is. But I don't care. Well, you like Rourke. What do you think of Rourke? Sort of. Um, I mean, there's so many things that happen in novels <laughs> that maybe wouldn't happen in real life. So a, a real life Rourke probably <laughs> would not be interested in a woman that goes off, marries Keating, marries Wynand, right? But in art, you sort of these things are sort of there for a reason. So you like Rourke. Now in the novel, Rourke, he sort of uh, he tells Dagny like, "I'll, I, I, you need to learn this lesson for yourself. Like, in essence, I'll wait for you or something like that." Um, is that something you would you admire in a man's actions? I admire that he has that kind of insight into people's souls. I admire that he's innocent, um, and and I and I and I do like that. He, look, he, he, he was able to penetrate her in a way that I couldn't. So he knew what she was all about and knew why she did what she did and was able to get beyond the moment to the, to the, to the end game and play the end game. I, I don't think I would have that kind of insight with somebody like her. <laughs> she, she just comes off as a pompous, arrogant, spoiled narcissist. And, and I don't know that I would have the... Uh, the sharpness or the time, the inclination to get underneath that festering sore on the surface. Interesting. Um, by the way, I mentioned on some level I can relate to Wynand. I can relate to this sort of like um, kind of difficult childhood and like uh, kind of learning some harsh lessons about the world and taking maybe at times a sort of misguided attempt to um, kind of... Um, take control of my life. But one thing about Wynand I could never relate to is wanting to control people, like wanting to have power over people and influence them and stop people from pursuing their own conviction, their own passion. Um, in that respect, I think I'm the opposite of Wynand. I tend to encourage my friends, encourage people to, uh, to, uh, to act, you know, like you've got raw talent, like what are you doing with your time? Like get out there and do it. So in that respect, Wynand is someone else I can't relate to at all. I don't get why would Rourke be drawn to such a schmuck? Um, but again, The Fountainhead is such a deeply psychological book. It, it's, it could take maybe a lifetime to really understand why Rand 
made the choices that she does with her characters. Um, so similarly with Dominique, there's so much about the character I can't quite understand and can't therefore understand why Rourke sort of puts up with it. But at the end of the day, kind of by the end of the novel, I kind of start to see why everything was necessary. Um, but, you know, she's no, she's no hero of yours, Dominique. No hero of mine. Interesting. Um, <laughs> if the Fountainhead is uh, made into a movie, would you be willing to be a, a redhead and, you know, too, have some... Too old to play Rourke, but I would, I would definitely go for Cameron. I think he's a very poignant character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could. From what I picture him, I, I can I can imagine you as Cameron. You might they might need to make you a bit older, though. I mean, you'll they'll make you a little wrinkly and, and stuff. And he's a little hefty from what I remember. He's I'd have to put on a little bit of weight. No, I don't have to do that. I can work. Yes. Yeah. There but you go. Uh, maybe maybe I'll try I'll try to audition for uh, Stephen Mallory. I think I could throw a tantrum and, uh, you know, you maybe play, play that sort of beta role. I don't think our paths will ever cross in the in the novel, unless they turn it into sort of a uh, loosely interpreted version of events, and we do end up crossing paths, but I don't think- I'm Mallory sure Hollywood would have to loosely interpret it. I don't think they understand the meaning of the book. Wow, bite the hand that feeds you, will you? Um, <laughs> so, all well, right, uh, Any, uh, I, go ahead. I only say that because I have some recent experience with pitching a, a, pitching a show to, to some fairly prominent folks, so. I can see I, uh, that they don't understand Grimm's work. Oh, okay. Now you've mentioned recently uh, some something relating to that. Is that is this something you want to go into more detail right now, or should we bookmark that for another day? We could bookmark it. Yeah. All right. Let's, so uh, let's see what happens in the next year. So everyone, subscribe and share. Uh, subscribe. Become a member of Ayn Rand Center UK to learn more about this as soon as it's fresh off the press. Uh, thank you for the super chats, LMH, Robert. And uh, Mary Aline, Mary and Christopher. Mary Aline says Dominique wants to protect Rourke from Cameron's end. She doesn't understand how strong Rourke is. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, so so beat the crap out of him and destroy him. Come on, that's not that's True. not protection to me. Andrew Bernstein says it's an honor killing or a mercy killing, not honor killing. Mercy <laughs> killing. Do you Oops. think it's more more of an honor killing? Was that Freudian? <laughs> It, it's uh, it's it's effed up is what it is. Yeah. If with with friends protecting me like that, who needs enemies? I think I mean, Rourke was Rourke was doing just fine. I mean, she doesn't get it. She doesn't know how how powerful he is. I mean, he's a spiritual giant, but still, you know, uh, don't sacrifice me. Please don't nail me to the cross. Just just because you're doing it first before the community does doesn't make you great. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody can convince me in Clubhouse that Dominique deserves my praise because right now I, I don't like her. We will She's... be jumping on, yeah, on Clubhouse right after this episode. Um, yeah, so, um, all right, Dominique is, is not your girl. Um, so yeah, I mentioned Cheryl from uh, Atlas Shrugged as much as she's definitely not like a, a heroic character. Um, still very, uh, very she relatable. She's like, she understands, she has a very a visceral sense of what's good. Just like Eddie Willers does. They have a visual sense of what's good. They're attracted to the, the, the positive, the creative force in these people in their lives. And, and Cheryl in what she thought was a creative force. Um, but it turns out not to be. Yeah. So Atlas Shrugged sort of highlights how certain people are so genius that they sort of carry the, the rest of us like Atlas carries the world. But at the same time, Rand is not treating the average 
ambitious, uh, average intelligence person, like they're just this dispensable peasant. Absolutely not. Rand is showing that they're they're capable of rising to their own full potential. And I think that's where she's different than pretty much every philosopher and academic and elitist out there who has total contempt for the everyday folks on the ground. Rand never, never felt that. Very true. And uh, finally, I guess we'll just mention the female in Anthem, whose name is, was it, it Equality was the one guy, and then the other was, I don't, I don't remember. Someone in the chat room will mention it. Yeah, probably, I forget but. too. Yeah, I forget what her number was. Yeah, so um, she's, she's pretty good, right? She's, I mean, it takes a lot of courage. Yeah, she just, she just, yeah, but she just loves her guy. I mean, that's, that's what she does. But to be willing to uh, uh, follow your guy away from everything you've ever known, especially in such a cultish environment where there's no alternative. It's like North Korea with nothing, with no out, with nothing outside, nothing beyond and without the technology of North Korea even. So a complete uh, like hunter gatherer subsistence existence to be willing to walk uh, towards the light or should I say towards the light bulb um, <laughs> yeah. For love, I'll, I'll quote the Twilight Zone, well, one of the best episodes, I think, the, the OG Twilight Zone, when uh, the guy goes to the moon or he goes to space, comes back 40 years later, the woman he loves, she went to sleep to, to stay young for him. Meanwhile, he stayed up so he could be old for her. Oh, yes, Very I remember tragic. that. Yeah, oh. how good is that episode? And, the, uh, and his colleague tells him, like, how fortunate I am to have known a man who gives such primacy to love, such primacy to love, so... Even, uh, even though the uh, female in Anthem is sort of, quote, following her man, she is following her man. Like that use of italics I just used there. All right. We're going to be back on YouTube in 30 minutes with Nikos, Ellen Kenner, Annie Vinther-Sanz for a special year, for a special on a year of COVID lockdowns around the world. Can you believe it's been a year already? What a year it's been. We laughed, we cried. I feel like we've all uh, really grown and uh, made some great friends along the way. So that's coming up right here on Ayn Rand Center UK's YouTube channel at the bottom of this hour. So don't go anywhere, but also do go somewhere. Come join us on Clubhouse right now. We're jumping over to Clubhouse. This was an interesting conversation. As always, I was basically unprepared, found out the topic right before the show, but I feel like we pulled it off because um, we are improvisers at the end of the day. Ain't it, right? Ain't it the truth? Right on. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Thank everyone you. who watched. Uh, join us on Clubhouse now, and goodbye. See you.